Welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. The show is written, produced, and is broadcasting from Huchin, Ohlone territory known to settlers as the Bay Area. On tonight's show, I speak with Saru Jayaraman, Zach Norris, and Liam Chin, who came together to form an innovative justice-oriented project coming up in our town called Restore Oakland. Please note our conversation was recorded this summer, so our dear guests are not live in studio with me this evening. Also note that Restore Oakland is set to launch in spring of 2019, not specifically March, despite what you may hear in our commentary. Let's get into it tonight on Full Circle. I'm your host, Kat Petru. Keep it locked. At a time when gentrification and development for capital gains are taking over all major U.S. cities, there remain people and communities committed to doing things differently. Saru Jayaraman, Zachary Norris, and Liam Chen have always been these people and are at it again right here in Oakland, California. Their shared project is called Restore Oakland, and it is set to officially begin in March of 2019. Saru, Zach, and Liam join me for the hour to discuss Restore Oakland, the history that led to its vision, the organizations literally coming together at the table to make it happen, how it will serve its community, how it challenges the status quo, and how it might serve as an example for justice-oriented development in other major U.S. cities. Thank you so much, Zach, Saru, and Liam, for joining me today. How are you all doing? Great. Thank you. I'm doing really well, thanks. This is Zach. So first, some introductions. I'm going to share their bios and then give them a chance to respond. So Saru is the co-founder and president of the Restaurant Opportunity Centers United, or Rock United, and director of the Food Labor Research Center at University of California, Berkeley. After 9-11, together with displaced World Trade Center workers, she co-founded Rock, which now has tens of thousands of members and partners nationwide. Saru is a graduate of Yale Law School and the Harvard Kennedy School of Government. She was listed in CNN's top 10 visionary women and recognized as a champion of change by the White House in 2014 and a James Beard Foundation Leadership Award in 2015. In January 2018, just this past year, she attended the Golden Globes as the guest of actor Amy Poehler, Parks and Rec fans out there, I hope you're listening, where she brought widespread attention to the issue of sexual harassment in the restaurant industry as part of the Time's Up initiative. Sarah authored uh, Behind the Kitchen Door, a national bestseller, and forked a new standard for American dining. Zachary Norris is the executive director of the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights and a former director of the Books Not Bars campaign. Prior to rejoining the organization, Zachary co-founded and co-directed Justice for Families, a national alliance of family-driven organizations working to end our nation's youth incarceration epidemic. 
During the seven years he led the campaign, Books Not Bars built California's first statewide network for families of incarcerated youth, led the effort to close five youth prisons in the state, passed legislation to enable families to stay in contact with their loved ones, and defeated Prop 6, a destructive and ineffective criminal justice ballot measure. In addition to being a Harvard graduate and NYU-educated attorney, Zachary is also a graduate of the Labor Community Strategy Center's National School for Strategic Organizing in Los Angeles and was a 2011 Soros Justice Fellow. Zachary was a recipient of the American Constitution Society's David Carliner Public Interest Award in 2015 and is a member of the 2016 class of the Levi Strauss Foundation's Pioneers of Justice. And last and certainly not least is Liam Chin. A longtime Bay Area resident, Liam Chin comes from a family of civil rights activists and restaurateurs. Raised in a Native American community in Alaska, Liam's lived experience has inspired his career path. He has worked both locally and globally, building diverse coalitions to advance restorative systems that bring self-determination and healing to communities fractured by violence and oppression. Liam's approach involves recentering the power of decision making in marginalized communities so they can redefine safety and justice on their own terms. As executive director of Restore Oakland, he facilitates collaboration among organizational partners and stakeholders to maximize their collective impact through restorative approaches to justice and economic development. Liam Foster's community participation and ownership of Restore Oakland, including establishing a restorative justice center in the building and guiding the development of joint campaigns for policy and systems change. Liam holds a master's degree in international relations with a focus on neocolonialism from the University of Chicago and a bachelor's degree in political science specializing in race and politics from Western Washington University. Wow, some a few one or two accolades in the room today. It's such an honor to have you all truly. And in the interest of self-determination, is there anything else you'd really like our listening audience to know about you today? I'm a mom. Also a dad. <laughs> it's my first time doing a radio show like this, so uh um sorry everybody. <laughs> we got you you got this i have faith wonderful let's just jump right in so before we lay out the context and the reason behind the vision for restore oakland what is restore oakland zach can you give us yes i'll an give you the technical blueprint answer first which is restore oakland is a community advocacy and training center where bay area residents can dream organize and act together to impact their communities um, but i should start by saying it's also a physical space so restore oakland is a building uh, in the fruitvale at 1419 34th avenue and it has three floors and those three floors together um, from our perspective at the Ella Baker Center, are really designed to put forward a new vision of community safety. Um, we know that Donald Trump um, and his administration 
is governing through fear, through exclusion, through deportation. Uh, but our communities know that's not the path to safety. The real path to safety is restorative justice, is good jobs, is um, people being able to have an impact on their community and to be able to take care of one another. So Restore Oakland is really a home for all of those things. At the same time, it's more than just a building. You know, we are intentionally infusing restorative approaches and principles throughout the building and the way we all do our work. And we're trying to create and tangibly demonstrate better models for justice and economic opportunity. In terms of justice, this is a restorative justice approach. In terms of economic opportunity, it's cooperative food enterprises, worker-owned, worker-centric enterprises. We're also at the same time fostering community governance. This is something that's so important in a time when people are feeling disempowered and really removed from being able to shape their own destinies. We're starting to reawaken the ability of communities to govern themselves and to to sort of achieve self-determination and ultimately healing. We don't want to just stop at providing support for people to get a job and participate in an existing system, we want to help folks change those systems at the same time. And finally, what's also unique is that we have all these different organizations who are separate entities coming together to work collectively in ways that go beyond conventional coalitions and networks that go much deeper to really push a next evolution to how social justice and service organizations synergize with each other. Because right now, the scale of the problems that we face are far too large for one single organization to change them. We have to work together. You're listening to Full Circle here on 94.1 FM KPFA and KPFA.org. I'm your host, Kat Petru, and that was Liam Chin, the executive director of Restore Oakland, discussing this new project coming up in my beloved hometown of Oakland, California. Let's keep right on moving. We've got... Liam joined with Zach Norris and Saru Jayaraman of Ella Baker Center and Rock United accordingly. Let's keep listening to what they have to say. Can you, Zach, lay out the historical inequities faced not only in East Oakland specifically, but in Oakland more broadly? Can you talk about the roots of this kind of systemic environmental injustice and oppression? Sure. The roots of oppression uh, in East Oakland go back all the way to the origins of the country. Um, and we know that is a country founded on slavery and, and genocide um, and exclusion. And so at the Ella Baker Center, we talk about the need for truth and reinvestment. And that means moving the country to reckon with a long history of racial injustice and gender-based violence um, that shows up in particular in our criminal injustice system. And to not just examine that truth, but actually to secure reinvestment back into communities that have been hardest hit by what has been the largest prison building boom in human history right here in this country. And so we talk about the need to invest in jobs, not jails, books, not bars, health care and housing, not handcuffs. And that is true across the country, but is particularly the case in East Oakland, where we see um, ongoing displacement, um, lack of investment, um, and we have an opportunity to shift that reality and restore Oakland as a part of that. Thank you so much. Do either of you want to add to that? 
Sure. So the restaurant industry right now is the second largest and absolute fastest growing sector of the U.S. economy. We're about to hit the 13 million worker mark. 1.5 million of that 13 million is in one state, the state of California. So we as California have the largest and fastest growing restaurant industry of any state in the United States in the industry that is already the largest and fastest growing industry in America. And yet, despite all of its size and its growth, it continues to be the absolute lowest paying employer in the United States. Seven of the 10 lowest paying jobs in America and in California are restaurant jobs. There are amazing livable wage jobs in this industry. Fine dining server and bartending positions can bring in for a worker over $100,000 a year in places like San Francisco, Oakland, and Berkeley. The problem is that those jobs are held almost exclusively by white men, people of color, immigrants, women. Um, despite the growth of that sector and the fact that the industry hires all of our people and formerly incarcerated individuals and immigrants and people of color at higher rates than any other sector. We are the major source of employment for all of those groups. Despite that, our people can't get into those livable wage jobs and that lack of mobility and segregation and poverty really is um, a, a, a historical remnant, just as uh, the, the prison system is a historical remnant of slavery, so is the restaurant industry, because um, really the root of all of the problems in the industry can be traced back to the National Restaurant Association, which is the trade lobby representing the Fortune 500 chain restaurant companies in America, IHOP, Applebee's, Olive Garden, McDonald's. This trade lobby has been around in various forms since emancipation, when it first demanded the right to hire newly free slaves and not pay them anything at all and let them live on customer tips. And so at that time, a mostly black female workforce was given a zero dollar wage, forced to live on tips. That whole concept was made law in 1938 as part of the New Deal that these employers could pay their workers literally nothing at all. And we went from zero dollars in 1938 to $2.13 an hour today, which is the current federal minimum wage for tipped workers which means that mostly women and people of color who are working in more casual restaurants earning less money in tips are struggling on a $2 wage from their employer and not enough money in tips to survive. I'm sorry, let's just repeat that. So in the United States of America today, tipped laborers have a $2 an hour minimum? Yeah, and that is... Um, that is not a tiny sliver of America that's living on $2. Right. That's the largest employer of people of color, formerly incarcerated in individuals, women, immigrants. We are the largest employer with the lowest wages. That puts into sharp relief the massive discrepancies going on in the Bay Area with the wealth of the tech boom and all of, right? That's right. Well, the, the important thing to, thing to note is that in California, we don't have a $2 wage. California is one of seven states that got rid of this system 40 years ago, but the same kind of segregation that exists in the rest of the country in which people of color and women and formerly incarcerated individuals are in this industry but segregated into lower level segments of the industry into casual restaurants or lower level positions even in fine dining restaurants like back of house positions, kitchen staff or busser and runner positions. The same problems that exist with forcing people to live on a low wage plus tips that result in tremendous inequity for people of color, women, immigrants, 
are reflected in the Bay Area. In fact, even though we have higher wages than the rest of the country, we actually have the highest race wage gap between white workers and workers of color of any restaurant industry of any region in the United States. Actually, the gap between white workers and workers of color in the Bay Area in the restaurant industry is double the gap between white workers and workers of color in Houston, Texas. So we really, we really, I like to say, we're so much better than this Bay Area. Oh, gosh, we, we yeah. you know, we pride ourselves on being a foodie capital, on being a progressive capital, on being a racially conscious, you know, mecca. And yet, we are the worst. We are the worst when it comes to racial equity in the largest private sector employer um, in the United in the United States and in the Bay Area. Thank you. I actually really love this because it it gets us into why why this project is happening and why actually um, the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights and Restaurant Opportunities Center, Rock United, are such natural partners and it's not just about the two, you two, but it's actually about the work that y'all are doing. So maybe we can talk about that and then perhaps Liam can talk about the other partners and just how all of these moving parts that may seem disparate are actually really intertwined and work incredibly well together. I think we should start by clarifying what's happening in the building. So just to explain what is going to be happening in Restore Oakland, the building in March 2019, um, the first floor of the building is Colors Restaurant, which is our restaurant in which we we have Colors Restaurants in New York and Detroit. This will be our largest Colors Restaurant in the country um, where we do several things. We train low-wage workers of color, immigrants, formerly incarcerated individuals to move up the ladder into these livable wage jobs to create the kind of equity we talked about in mobility and to professionalize this industry, meaning, again, make sure that these jobs are valued as the, you know, these individuals are valued as the professionals that they are. That will be happening through that, we do a lot of organizing training and, you know, this will be the hub and the home for restaurant workers and community members to come together over food and be able to organize for change. Um, it will also be a place where we train and organize restaurant owners, um, restaurant owners that believe in what we're doing, that want to work side by side with workers for a better industry for all and restaurant consumers that also want to work side by side with workers and, and responsible employers who want to see a better, more equitable, more prosperous industry for everyone. So the first floor is the restaurant where all of that will be happening the second floor will house both the L. Baker Center and dedicated restorative justice space, as well as the offices of Just Cause Kausahusa. And on the first floor will be a housing clinic that will allow individuals in the community to come in and have their needs addressed with regard to everything that gentrification is creating with regard to people being displaced and mm -hmm. losing their homes. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing to note is that there are multiple ways in which people can enter the building, community members can benefit from the the things happening in the building and that they'll be able to actually partake in, benefit from all of it, that they don't have to just be part of one of it, that, that it will be holistic and intersectional um, and that it's all working together. In my opinion, why all of this is so uh, synergistic, why it fits, why Rock and Ella Baker Center, why Just Cause Cause why does it work together? Um, well, you've got, you know, the largest employer of low-income communities 
um, addressing that from an employment perspective, economic perspective, looking at the one of the largest obstacles to the community being able to to move up and move on and prosper, which is their criminal justice situation, and addressing at the same time the housing situation of that same population that prevents them from having a stable situation that could allow them to move up the ladder, and then a cyclical situation that really relates to all three, which is that the criminal justice interaction prevents you from moving up. If you don't move up, there's often recidivism because you're not able to move into a job that allows you to, you know, actually have a stable life. (laughs) Um, And then the housing situation prevents you from moving up and your inability to move up prevents you from being able to afford stable housing. So it's all incredibly cyclical and addressing all three issues at once, not just through services, but also through organizing and combining our efforts ultimately through policy change is what to me it's all about. And also just to jump in really quickly um because there's a physical building you're naturally building community so much of the work is about real relationships person-to-person relationships and so that seems to support it as well please go ahead no it's just funny because uh saru mentioned the word stable so so many times and we often talk about the criminal justice system as economic quicksand like the more you struggle, the deeper you go into it. And I think with Restore Oakland, we are looking to provide that stable resource to communities and that stable home so that people can be developing the relationships um, and finding the resources necessary for them to move forward. And you're going to, I don't know, Saru, did you say that you're going to have our joy restorative justice for Oakland youth in the building as well, right? Liam, go ahead. Yes, we are in partnership with Restorative Justice for Oakland Youth, Joy, a local restorative justice organization that are um, perhaps most well-known for helping to integrate restorative justice programming into the Oakland Unified School District, mm-hmm. as well as Community Works West, mm-hmm. who uh, is also a restorative justice organization that is well-known for uh, youth diversion programs that are being carried out in um, partnership with the district attorneys in Alameda and San Francisco County. And it's funny because, you know, when you talk about where Restore Oakland comes from, the Ella Baker Center and Community Works West were working together to try to advance restorative justice and to ensure its wider adoption within the city of Oakland. Um, and we were finding that they didn't one of the challenges that they faced was that they didn't have a place a physical space to be able to do restorative justice and as i was talking with our team who had did this who pays report that found that our community members were saying we want restorative justice and economic opportunity Mm -hmm. and we were finding that there wasn't a space for restorative justice in Oakland that was dedicated to restorative justice Uh, and we wanted to also be able to put forward this vision of economic opportunity I just happen to know someone who works uh, in connected to the restaurant industry (laughs) Um, Sahar and I are married and um, and so it seemed like this really wonderful opportunity to say Maybe we can bring all of those things together in one space. And um, as Colors and the Restaurant Opportunity Centers United were looking for a home for their restaurant in the Bay Area, we really came to this aha moment of why don't we actually bring those things together. Um, And that was really kind of the birth of the idea of Restore Oakland.
You're listening to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM and kpfa.org. I'm your host for this hour, Kat Petru, and that was, of course, beloved Oakland band Tower of Power with their song Eastside off the uh, album Oakland Stroke. On tonight's show, Liam Chin, Saru, Jaya Rahman, and Zach Norris discuss this project called Restore Oakland, which dynamically brings organizations together under one roof in one building in East Oakland to strengthen community resilience in the face of inequity and injustice in our city. My guest described the scope and sort of broke down what's going on in the building before the break. So now let's listen to more about what on earth restorative justice is and how Restore Oakland is defining community safety. In case some of our listeners aren't that familiar with restorative justice, Liam, can you tell us what restorative justice is? How does that look? What what happens? Okay, so uh, you know, I like to think of it in terms of questions, and this is something that our joy also teaches so well. Is um, so our our current criminal justice system essentially asks three questions: what law was broken, who broke it, and what punishment is warranted. Restorative justice asks, who is harmed? What are the needs and responsibilities of all affected parties? And how can we bring all affected parties together to repair that harm? So I think it's, it's a fundamentally different way that focuses on um, the needs of you know, victims, if you want to call it that, or the person who is harmed as well as bringing real accountability, mm-hmm. right? This is something our current criminal justice system does not do. When people are sent to jail, typically they don't come out in better shape than when they went in. Restorative justice is based on indigenous traditions. It's also just the human way of solving problem. For the vast majority of the time that we existed on this earth before we had police and you know this sort of formal justice system, we solved problems as communities Mm -hmm. and we held each other accountable in ways that still kept folks in community. So Mm -hmm. we say one of the ways we can say restorative justice can be defined is um, we still hold people accountable while holding them in community. And one of the great things about doing this in the Bay Area and in Oakland is that there's already some level of integration with the formal justice system um, to recognize the merits of restorative justice. And so the district attorney, the probation department in Alameda County are already um, using restorative justice, albeit in too few cases. And so one of the things that we want Restore Oakland to do and to promote is a wider adoption of restorative justice so that more serious cases will also be taken up and uh, resolved and addressed through a restorative justice process. Restorative justice also, I like to think of it as as the sort of poster child for community governance where communities themselves are uh, through self-determination are deciding what justice means and they have a whole different set of considerations when you live together and feel interlinked. Um, and that's why I think what Zach said earlier is, is so exciting. On the one hand, the ultimate goal is that restorative justice is something that can be practiced anywhere by virtually anyone mm-hmm. in the community. But in the meantime, having one central space where we can build community capacity and leadership to lead restorative justice and really elevate it um, beyond what is sometimes you know looked at as a sort of fringe alternative model into something that 
that is looked at as, hey, this is this is a legitimate way to bring true safety and accountability in mm-hmm. communities. And so, you know, for for better or worse, sometimes having a having a physical place with a big sign on it makes makes things legitimate. I understand. <laughs> yeah, I understand, I understand what you mean. I came across a study recently for the Alliance uh, for Safety and Justice. It was the first poll ever uh, conducted of crime survivors that explored their preferences regarding criminal justice policy. Um, over half of crime victims said that they believe that time in prison makes people more likely to commit another crime than less likely. Again, these are victims who have been harmed in, in significant ways saying this. And nearly three out of four of those victims uh, preferred holding people accountable through options beyond prison, such as rehabilitation, mental health treatment, drug treatment, um, community service, and so forth. So, you know, I think these findings are not surprising to people who work closely with crime survivors, but they're entirely contrary to the public um, and law enforcement narrative about what victims want. Mm-hmm. I think restorative justice is predicated on um, centering the needs um, of victims and bringing real accountability, um, and in this way, actually reflects the majority of what our public wants. Well, so one thing that we've spoken about a bit, but not explicitly, is the role and importance of safety. And I think at a time when so many of us feel so dramatically unsafe, it's important to question the systems, the structures that we think do make us safe. So, so many of us are taught the cops make us safe and borders make us safe, but makes who safe and at whose expense? There's a narrative that's dominant in our country at the moment that safety comes from more policing, you know, more prisons, these sort of punitive approaches equal safety. Right. So first of all, uh, that's just demonstrably false yes. because the recidivism rate is is just pitiful in terms of folks who are um, sent to prison coming out and reoffending. So it does keep money going into the prison system, though. That's right. I mean, that's a whole other element: the intersection of uh, of sort of capitalism and mass incarceration. Um, but from an objective standpoint, uh, the system, quite frankly, is just not working. It's not making us more safe. So the question then becomes, what is real safety? Well, communities where there is economic opportunity, people have housing, good education, and so forth. Those communities don't have a heavy police presence. People aren't going to prison. So it's actually not rocket science Right, real community safety comes from these other things, and so it's 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 and that's again when we talked about what crime survivors wanted out of a process, their own inherent views about what caused the crime in the first place um, are reflected in in their preferences, which were to have uh, rehabilitation and other non-punitive responses to the person who committed the crime against them. And so if anybody should be should be listened to, it's the person who who actually was the recipient of that harm. And so I think, again, when you look at communities um, here at home and in my travel and work around the world, I worked in over a dozen countries, I see the same thing over and over. When you have access to clean water, a clean environment, economic opportunity, housing, all of these basic human needs, that's real safety. At the point where you need more police 
prisons and punishment, you have failed at the, at, at the front end. And that's not real safety. And I should mention that the Ella Baker Center is currently holding a number of discussions in communities across the Bay Area. And, and, and the topic is called safety is dot, yeah. dot, dot. I really appreciate that. And I think just in light of all that's going on right now, this isn't, of course, this is beyond the, well, I don't know if it's beyond the purview of Restore Oakland as far as who, which communities or who Restore Oakland serves, but there's also a question of borders making people safe or not. And I think it's really obvious that they're not, they're not making us safe at all. That's right. And, you know, and at a point where I think the vast majority of the public recognize that these systems that have been festering for so long that aren't working need to be changed. I think the challenge has been what do we replace them with? And, you know, I mentioned that the criminal justice system, just for an, an objective analysis, you look at the statistics of recidivism and so forth, it's failing. It is not producing safer communities. At the same time, uh, a study was just done by Impact Justice that looked at recidivism rates for um, people that had gone through restorative justice processes, and it's significantly lower. And interestingly, the more serious the crime over a period of three, six, nine months and beyond, the lower the recidivism rate. And so it, it, you know, it takes work to engage in these processes that bring victims and the person that harmed them together. It's an intensive process, but the outcomes are measurably more successful. Y'all ready to get this prompt? You got to get up right now. Turn the system upside down. It's supposed to be better by now. Honestly, I'm against this government. I ain't got to cover it up, that's what I meant. Sick of paying bills and I'm sick of paying rent. Seem like I work all the time but don't know where the money went. And the funny thing is we supposed to like this shit. But all y'all politicians could bite this in it. It's a war going on, the ghetto is a cage. They only give you two choices, be a rebel or a slave. What you do, I rebel. Like an ulcer in the belly of the beast, staying true to it. Since my whole street days in the blue Buick. We ain't been fighting so long, seem like I'm used to it. Now what y'all know about how the cool do it. Truth fluid, boost put the funk to it. Ain't nothing to it. This is for the cheese all the way to the bay. From Frisco to Oakland all over LA. Like, get up right now. Turn the system upside Welcome back to Full Circle here on 94.1 FM KPFA. I'm your host, Kat Petru. That was, of course, uh, Oakland's own The Coup featuring Dead Prez. That song's called Get Up. And this show is about Restore Oakland, a community advocacy and job training center uh, that's set to launch in spring of 2019 in East Oakland in the Fruitvale area near BART over there. And I have the privilege and honor of speaking with Restore Oakland's Executive Director, Liam Chin, Executive Director of Ella Baker Center for Human Rights, Zachary Norris, and the co-founder of Restaurant Opportunity Center United, Saru Jayaraman, about the project all 
all of their organizations are a part of it. So we just talked a lot about restorative justice and safety, community safety. And now I'll speak with them um, more about the broader vision of the project and how you can get involved. I'm curious how... You know, you, projects like this don't just happen for free. We still live in a capitalist society. So I'm curious if you can speak to a bit about how Restore Oakland has secured some funding. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Restore Oakland is is sort of a social enterprise in that the restaurant itself will be generating revenue that we can put back into the job training program. And the other services in the building, you know, while free, ultimately do bring a spirit of entrepreneurship Right, whether it's helping folks to start their own um, small food businesses and linking them to capital and to the other sorts of resources that are necessary to succeed financially, Restore Oakland is taking an approach that is equipping people to ultimately determine their own destiny and be, be self-sustaining. We've been successful in fundraising from a diversity of sources from foundations, individuals, and organizations like Google.org, which has a racial justice portfolio, has contributed as well. Wow. Um, you know, we have a $16 million capital campaign. Wow. Happy to say we're over 80% of the way there, but this final stretch will be, will be a challenge to get across that finish line. I mean, just to answer your question in a more simple way, it's, it's very unusual for nonprofits to be engaging in commercial real estate acquisition, but desperate times equal desperate measures. And not only are people being displaced um, from the Bay Area, the organizations that are there to fight for them are also being displaced. And we can talk about how exciting all the services are in the building, the community organized and so forth, but quite simply just having a place for nonprofits such as the Ella Baker Center, which has been bounced around the Bay Area for years, to root themselves, to stay, draw a line in the sand and saying we're here to fight for the community. You know, below market rent for the foreseeable future helps us do that. Yeah. And so that's 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 kind of step one. Yeah. I appreciate that. That makes a lot of sense. I'm, I mean, I guess what I'm like, it's just that's it's a huge amount of money to raise, and so it's just I'm I, like I'm just curious how that happened, but I do think that's like a, possibly a bigger question for another time. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's a mixture of you know conventional fundraising for a capital campaign, yeah, um, but you know we've we've we built into. Um, this like it's a place for below market rent, so we will be able to continue to fund the building yeah. um, by giving nonprofits a place to to rent and um, and be. Yeah. So that's that's a self generating model along yeah. with the restaurant. So it is you know it's a social enterprise, but it it's so it's doing it in a way that uh, that is um, achievable for for average folks and and organizations yeah. that are. That are, that are often struggling to meet, make ends meet. I know we have just about 10 more minutes left and I want to make sure, I want to make sure we talk about how Oakland residents can make the best use of the program services um, and space. I also would love to hear um, if you are all open to speaking about it, what has been challenging about getting this project together, partially so that folks listening perhaps in other places can start thinking about how they might if they're interested in replicating it or, or engaging in some kind of similar process. And then also just, of course, how people can get involved and or support. Well, I think I'm going to answer your three by 
saying that, you know, you started this interview talking about um, gentrification in the Bay Area and how we're thinking about doing development differently. Yeah. And we haven't really drawn a through line from everything we've talked about to why this is yeah. different, a different kind of development. Yeah. So I think everything we've talked about is a different kind of development. We are opening a building that houses restorative justice, which is totally different. We are opening a building that houses a restaurant that is not intended to, you know, bring in an entirely different clientele than the community. Um, it's actually meant to be a space for the community to not only get training, but also have a nice place to eat um, that they can access. And I think above all of that, it's a place for the community to come and actually get services and help with regard to gentrification. So we're actually doing development differently, programmatically thinking about how to actually address gentrification and development. But I think there's another way in which we're doing development differently, which is that every step of the way has been about community engagement. Every step of the way has been about really talking to residents in East Oakland in particular, but really all over the Bay Area about um, you know what they need and want out of something like Restore Oakland. So in our case, you know, with the restaurant, we surveyed hundreds of community members with regard to the restaurant to find out what they wanted out of uh, this restaurant. And people said we want healthy food options, so that's what we're going to be providing in the restaurant. You know, um, we surveyed dozens and dozens and dozens of local restaurant owners in that. Fruitvale area where the building will be across from the Fruitvale BART station and ask them what they want, what they need. And in fact, um, not only were we able to understand what they needed and wanted, which will be part of the programming, but we've also invited many of them to become part of an advisory board that is guiding the development of the restaurant. And so far from this big restaurant coming in and displacing a lot of community members, these community restaurants are actually guiding how what this restaurant will look like, what it will offer, what it will train, how the free training that comes out of those programs will serve them in getting, you know, people that they need to to run their businesses, what training they need to improve their businesses, how the two can work together. So that's just the opposite of any typical nice restaurant that moves into an area and plops down and says, we're here and brings a whole different community rather than, you know, really engaging the community. And same with the restorative justice, you know, obviously L Baker Center has been developing programming with community members for many decades now, and it's all based on what they're hearing is needed on the ground. And the same goes for Just Cause Cause Ahusta. So to me, that's a very, very different kind of, not just, not, it's not just that the programming is addressing gentrification head on. It's also that the way that we're developing is different than how other people have done development. And then, so that to me would answer what people can do to get involved, which is right now, there's an opportunity to join Rock or join the Ella Baker Center as members and weigh in on what the restaurant could look like, what it could be, weigh in on what Restore Oakland could look like, what it could be, weigh in on the restorative justice activities. Right now, there's that opportunity. But even more so, when we open March 2019, Anybody has the opportunity anywhere to walk into the building, access the services, and be part of the organizing work immediately. So there will be tons of opportunities. There are opportunities right now to get engaged and opportunities later on. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I um, just wanted to echo what uh, Saru said. At the moment, we're um, carrying out community listening sessions across East Oakland. And 
one of the questions we've been asking is, before this building opens, it's still, you know, the book is yet to be written. What are ways that we can foster community ownership? And how can Restore Oakland best serve you? And one of the most immediate answers we got in our last listening session is exactly this. It's unusual that you are coming in and consulting with us before this is open and done and, you know, the typical situation where, you know, we know what's good for you. Here you go, eat your peas. We're doing it the other way around. And that's not just for good practice. There's also the dimension that ultimately Restore Oakland to succeed does need to be community owned. It has to be driven by the community because it's about more than just the services and opportunities in the building. Those are critical But equally critical is that it will be a community organizing hub Mm -hmm. where we're going to build community power to change the systems that are holding our communities back. We don't seek just to support people to participate through job training and other services in the existing systems, which we often like to say are broken. They're not broken. They're working exactly the way they were supposed to work, Um, which, again, gets back to the history of racism and economic harm and redlining and all the sorts of things that have been done intentionally. And so through bringing people into the building, for example, if somebody comes in and they participate in job training, we can say, hey, uh, you know, we we know that you are formerly incarcerated and job training is one of the most critical immediate needs and along with housing when you get out. We also understand that there has been trauma and harm based on your personal history and, and all that you've gone through. Have you heard of restorative justice? Are you interested in coming upstairs and participating in a reentry circle and community building circle and so forth? And so the services are all interlinked, but ultimately we want people to both model new approaches to these systems and at the same time build a community movement to change them. So I think that's 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 complex, but it's a it's a sort of multi layered strategy it's a, restore. It's a both use. and. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense totally. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to cut you off. Did you want to finish? No, that? I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Did you want to jump in, Zach? Um, one of the services we didn't mention is small food business yeah. incubation, and I think it's just important to note that La Cocina will also be in the building and on the first floor. Um, and supporting women of color in particular as they develop uh, small food enterprises. And so this will be a space where you can fight eviction, you can uh, fight an unjust criminal justice system, you can uh, fight for economic opportunity either through uh, working for living wages, but also through developing your own businesses. And so there'll be a lot of reasons to come to Restore Oakland. I'm really excited about all of the community listening sessions that have already happened. Um, And people should join as members, should join us when we open in spring of 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And those, that's an example again of community governance, um, because we're not just interested in helping folks, especially low-income women of color, to start their own food businesses. We're interested in helping them to create new models that are worker-centric, community-owned. So it's, again, don't just get people to participate in the current system. Get them to remake the way that system looks at the same time. One of the fundamental differences, speaking to Sarah, bringing it back to the top of the show, that this is doing, quote, development differently, which 
development, I think, is a loaded term actually in and of itself. But one thing I'm hearing you all speak to is the concept, again, super simple, of consent. This isn't any one of you individually saying, I want to go make a million bucks by making XYZ restaurant in XYZ community or neighborhood and therefore causing more harm. It's completely a consensual process from jump. And that is so, that's one fundamental difference, right? Well, one of the things I just want to say is that, uh, you know, as someone who's lived my whole life in Oakland, you know, 40 plus years, I know and believe that Oakland is a powerful place, but it can't be the place, it, it can't be Oakland without black people. It can't be Oakland without people of color. And for me, you know, Restore Oakland is a stake in the ground to say we will not be displaced. Yeah. We will be here. We will contribute. And, and we will remake Oakland in a vision of our ancestors where people were taken care of and where economic opportunity was not even a thought. It was just how we took care of each other. And so I think that there's an opportunity um, and it's desperately needed given the darkness nationally to really provide a light and a spark and a hope for what our economic and our justice systems can look like. And that's going to happen right here in Oakland. And I think that can't happen just from one building. It can't just be that we do development differently in our building and that's it. That's (laughs) not going to actually let people stay. But for example... You know, we're not going to be a restaurant that comes in and plops down and kicks people out. But in our space, we're going to be training hundreds of other restaurants about how they, too, can actually engage community, hire differently, promote differently, support other local businesses. So they're not driving out. um, They're not furthering gentrification. So it, it. you know, to me, it just can't be about this one building. It's about how the building actually is a not just a model, but a catalyst for everybody doing development differently and everybody prospering. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just like to say that I just completely agree with Sarah. I think first and foremost, this is a model and it's about trying to transform one community. And we have to focus on getting that right. Uh, but we do hope that ultimately it will be a model that can be replicated not only in California, but across the country. I have we one. We need to restore Detroit. <laughs> yeah, yes. And I have a burning question. You were speaking to it so beautifully, taking it back, talking about ancestry and at various points, indigeneity came up. And I'm just curious if Restore Oakland is doing any explicit work with the Ohlone people or with the Segorite Land Trust, for example, if that's happening at all yet. It isn't, but... Uh, that's something that absolutely fits within our vision and mission. And we look forward to partnering with indigenous communities to ensure that Restore Oakland is reflecting their wisdom and the fact that they are the original inhabitants of this land. And uh, that's something we will be we will be pursuing as we go forward. Wonderful. Thank you all so much for being here. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Kat. Once again, you're listening to Full Circle on 94.1 FM, KPFA, and kpfa.org. I've been your host, Kat Petru, and those were the voices of Saru Jayaraman, Zach Norris, and Liam Chin, all of Restore Oakland. Let's, uh, let's hear that track from Tower of Power. 
We have a little more music for you tonight before we wrap this show. Thanks again to Zach, Saru, and Liam for joining me to discuss this project. Again, a reminder that Restore Oakland will launch in spring of 2019, not March per se. You can find listeners, you can find links online at kpfaapprentice.org for Restore Oakland for the Ella Baker uh, Center for Human Rights and um, for Rock Restaurant Opportunity Center United, kpfaapprentice.org. And I also want to announce that I, as well as Darlene Pagano and Laura Chegaray, we are Group 42 of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, and we are officially passing the mic to Group 43, um, the capable, brilliant minds and hearts of Mari, Sharon, Steve, Aria, and Kendall. It's been such a profound honor to do this. This is not the last of us, mark my word, and you're in for a huge treat listening to their voices and stories and the communities that they'll share. Um, in addition to checking us out at kpfaapprentice.org, you can find more of my work at weriseproduction.com. It's a collaborative media making, excuse me, collaborative media making and service of our collective liberation. So once again, big love to First Voice and to also all who came together this week in defense of our earth. The song you're hearing right now is called Only So Much Oil in the Ground by Tower of Power. A reminder to our governor to keep it in the ground. You can bump that track a bit. much oil in the ground by tower of power oakland's very own soul funk band 
Tonight's show has been about the incredible project going on in East Oakland called Restore Oakland. I have been your host for the hour, Kat Petru. This does indeed bring us to the end of our show. Tune in next week to Full Circle uh, for a fun drive show. It's that time of the year again here at KPFA. The executive producer of Full Circle is Miss M. Our technical director is Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production consultant. I've been your host, as I mentioned. Thanks so much to Darlene Pagano on the board and Aria, our tech assistant. And thanks again to Saru, Zach, and Liam for joining me to discuss Restore Oakland. Thank you, our dear listeners, for joining us tonight on Full Circle. Stay tuned. La Onda Bajita is next.